0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up? Welcome in GC Live Monday episode of the show. Wes Mitchell here with Chris Clark, as always, going to be breaking down the Gamecocks 24-14 to victory over Kentucky on Saturday night, a game, uh, frankly, I didn't even think was as close as maybe the final score indicates. South Carolina getting, uh, really, I mean, we talked about it all last week, a massive win for them, the first road SEC victory of the Shane Beamer era, uh, just really taking care of business in the second half after, you know, I kind of wondered, y'all, at 7-7 at the half, you, you felt like South Carolina had outplayed Kentucky uh, for the most part, but you were sort of wondering, is this going to be one of those games where you look back on the missed opportunities and say South Carolina, you know, I, I thought they should have been up maybe 17-7 or so at the half. They obviously weren't. You wondered, all right, is it going to kind of continue where Carolina just takes control, or are you going to look back and say, man, they, they should have taken better advantage of their their chances there. So they really took control in the second half. Won the game going away. Kentucky tacks on one at the end, uh, but then uh, Carolina uh, special teams again recovers the onside kick, and uh, just a, a a little bit of a ugly game I would say overall, uh, but uh, a, a win nonetheless for South Carolina and one they will certainly take. Uh, we'll tell you about Clint Hammond here in a second, but Chris, um, I, I guess like we always do, let's go big picture and then let's uh, dial in on a couple of things. Your uh, your big picture thoughts on this victory and uh, and really just what it means for South Carolina to be 4 and 2 right now going into the break as opposed to 3 and 3 and 0 and 3 in the SEC man.
1: Yeah, I think man just going back to before the game we talked about the reasons why this game was so important for South Carolina and now that they've won, you can go back to those same reasons I think. You know, let's take any of the emotional stuff after uh, out of it. There's a lot of emotional stuff to this game, but um, you mentioned you hit it right there. Winning your first conference game of the season, as opposed to be 0-3 going into the bye week and then having to turn around and play A&M and the rest of this stretch, that's big. Um, The first, you know, road win, it's over a a ranked opponent. Just in general for Shane Beamer, right? Those are two big items. Um and then the fact that look K- Kentucky quite honestly has has owned this series lately and there've been some massively disappointing games for South Carolina including last season at home where you lose 16 to 10 you you outplayed Kentucky in some ways in that game in terms of getting turnovers getting the ball in plus territory and and obviously they couldn't convert and so being able to do that and, and kind of reverse this series, I think, was big. You're playing on the road at night against a team with a good defense, and you do some good things offensively in it. We'll dive into all that, but, you know, I, I think uh, from an from just an on-field perspective, it was really good to see. South Carolina, you're right, should have been up more early probably, arguably, um, but they were able to answer, I think, uh, some adversity in that game. Then you, you zoom out and you look at the emotional aspect of it, you know, aside from just the good feeling of being able to come up and score this win against Kentucky when they have had so much success in the series, you take all the off-field stuff, you know, uh, the sunglasses comments with Mark Stoops, and we'll probably talk about that more later. Um, But I, I think that factored in a lot. You could tell that one, this one meant a lot to Shane Beamer. I think about the Auburn game last year and how much that had to mean to Shane Beamer because a couple of Auburn's coaches last season had left his coaching staff to go basically choose Auburn over you. South Carolina goes out and wins that one. That was, that had some extra meaning. I think this one had even more and you saw that, I think out of Shane Beamer in the post game and even man that the stuff that quite honestly, I didn't really think about that as much. The day of the red river rivalry, Spencer Rattler, Shane Beamer finding out, you know, and I've, wrote a, a series on this, this off season, but obviously the last time South Carolina was on the road uh, in Lexington was the night that Shane Beamer found out uh, that he was going to get the win. That was not a good night for South Carolina on the field. This one was so, so many storylines. We could just go, I think on and on about why this win was so significant for South Carolina in uh in more ways than one. And one last one, Peyton just pointed this out on Facebook. I mean, Now you're at four wins, right? So we talked about it before, you know, before the uh, game and that this is a tough game. Will Levis or no Will Levis, but it also probably represented one of your more winnable games out of the rest of the schedule. So now South Carolina gets it. Now they're four and two and they've got a few opportunities in front of them to get back to bowl eligibility this season, which would be another good step for this program.
0: Yeah, I think it just takes a lot of the pressure off, man, going into the bye week. Um, you know, you could you could tell the fan base, um, you know, that they, they had hit the part of the season where they were pretty frustrated. Um, you know, even with the two wins, uh, you know, two blowout wins over Charlotte and SC State, I, I feel like um, some, some people almost uh, tried to maybe provide too much context uh, in those two wins instead of just enjoying – a couple of nice days at the park and just being able to, all right, you know, you beat, beat up on a couple of teams, you played a bunch of guys, you did what you were supposed to do. Um, we, you, you know, we heard a lot of what well, was just Charlotte. It was just SC state. And, um, you know, so the the fan base, I feel like if, if it would have been the opposite, you go into the bowl game, God, the bowl game, excuse me. Um, you go into the bye week and, uh, that's what I get for trying to read things while I'm talking. Um, so go ahead and do it. Shout out to our boy Greg Lee for dropping a 10 spot on um the uh, the tip line here. That's that's really uh, generous of you, Greg. Uh, I saw this big yellow box pop up and it just completely caught my attention. But uh, you go into the bye week really with two weeks of positivity now, as opposed to two weeks of just, you know, talk about Beamer and talk about the offense and again, 0-3 in the SEC and, all these different things that um, just kind of drag you down mentally I feel like to you know having having some fun having some fun with the sunglasses thing having uh, you know some excitement around the program again uh, you have an Am team coming in in a couple of weeks and you know we don't need to get into all, to them yet but just as far as the big picture here context it's like okay you now go into that game they haven't been great you're going to have an excellent environment. It was announced today, a little bit of news today, 7.30 kickoff for that game, another night game. I think the fans all of a sudden are going to be extremely excited. They they may smell blood in the water as far as, you know, a chance to maybe finally beat A&M. So just the entire just feel around the program, the vibe right now, I think shifts a bit. And uh, as opposed to, the other side, which would have just been an immense amount of negativity and pressure, I feel like going into this bye week.
1: Yeah, and and let me not get too far ahead. But you said something that triggered this thought. I made sure, I wanted to make sure I say it. Can you imagine the feeling of being able for South Carolina to follow this high with beating A and M finally at night, at home. And then being able to follow it up the next week potentially with a bowl clinching win over an SEC East opponent. That would be almost uh whew, that'd be almost hard to handle, I think, in terms of positivity. So um uh, that's that's way far ahead though. But yeah, man, I mean it, it was look th- there was a lot of good in this game, and I think it the the a big takeaway on the field was that South Carolina was able to manage the ups and downs of the game, right? You go back to the block punt. South Carolina blocks that punt. Then Marshawn Roy- Lloyd runs for 11 yards on the first play, and I'm going, if they punch it in here for a touchdown, it's early, but you're like, that That might be game over given the circumstances. Well, instead, they fumble. The one thing you can't do, mm-hmm. Kentucky ends up tying it up later. You go into the half, into the half as you said, man, going, was that a few big missed opportunities that are really going to spell doom? But it wasn't. They were able to come in and play even better in the second half. Chris Rodriguez got his yards for Kentucky, as as I expected him to. But they were able to do what they needed to do, and that is they were able to buckle down in key situations on third down and completely dominate the line of scrimmage. Um, I thought they did pretty well with that offensively, but defensively it really stood out. Zach Pickens had a huge game. Heck, I thought the whole starting defensive line with Tonka Hemingway, Gilbert Edmond, Jordan Birch, all those guys played very well. There were some plays in there, quite frankly, Wes, that I think even if Will Levis was in the game, remember, Kentucky had still given up 19 sacks this season. It's not like Will Levis was the only ingredient there. I think there were plays that he would have struggled to get away from in that game. And so a lot of credit to South Carolina's defensive front. I think a lot of their defenders really stepped up and played their best game. Um, South Carolina didn't get a ton of offensive possessions, but they were able to execute the simple stuff pretty well. Uh, They made some big explosive plays and they, they made enough plays to win the game.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this was one of those, it it felt like an old school SEC football game Um, was kind of fun actually, just to see the teams, Mm -hmm. um, you know, huddle up, go to the line of scrimmage you saw lots of shifts and motions on both sides it, exactly what you kind of thought i think from just a game flow standpoint and uh you know that, that was kind of fun and i i think man what you saw um was a south carolina team that once again uh won the special team's battle i think and and i agree i I, I don't want to i guess for about 10 11 minutes in I don't want to really harp on anything negative but i i I hated the empty Set on that second and down that ended up being, uh, you know, the phone. And it, it wasn't executed properly either. Like it wasn't one of those things where, you know, it's just completely a bad call. Like if it was executed better, uh, you know, maybe somebody walks in for a touchdown. But I was sitting there saying, give the ball to one again. Um, and, and let's, let's turn this to a positive one, Marshawn Lloyd looks, um, Looks like a feature back in this conference, and you know, man, I. You go back to last year. Um, even just from a statistical standpoint, the yards per carry uh, for for Marshawn were just not there. And I, you know, I think we all looked and we knew he just didn't quite look himself uh, as he came back from the knee last year. And um, you know, then he he runs over SC State, runs over Charlotte, and. We, we all were saying, okay, he looks as good as he has. And now the question was, uh, you know, can he do this against an SEC defense? And, you know, I thought there were still too many busts up front. Like, there were still too many negative runs, I think. But the ability for your running game to um, sort of, for the most part, control the game offensively against an SEC defense Beamer talked about this on the teleconference last night, that they felt like they could run the football against SEC teams. They just needed to go do it. And, um, you know, they saw some signs of life against uh, Arkansas and Georgia. And this time they stuck to it. So I, I think – I mean, I, I look at Lloyd and I say he is now who you thought he was when you recruited him and he was like the five-star or high four-star depending on the service guy that you landed and Chris I thought he ran well between the tackles too like that's an element of his game that maybe isn't always highlighted as like his strong suit and his skill set but if you add that in now to the other things we've seen him do on the edges and with space to me it makes him an even more just um, deep player as far as the number of things he can do within his skill set
1: We've learned more about this team since game one. Like game one, you remember that, man, after Georgia State. South Carolina wins by three touchdowns. Offense doesn't play very well. Kind of a here we go again. But because of the competition level, that was one game, right? The competition level after that, Georgia on the road at Arkansas and then the complete opposite direction, SC State Charlotte, still didn't really know a lot in my opinion about this offense. Um. Is it an elite offense? No. But is it better than what we saw in the first couple games of the season? Yeah, I I think so. And is there some of the same explosive potential we saw against Arkansas and certainly against lesser competition, SC State and Charlotte? Is that still there? Yes. And so what we have learned is, you know, Juice Wells and Jalen Brooks are the most dangerous receivers. We saw that Saturday night. And the offense probably should run through – as much as possible, Marshawn Lloyd, meaning he needs to touch the ball a good bit of the time, a majority of the time. Um, South Carolina was out without Christian Smith in this game, but you would think that Marshawn Lloyd was going to touch the ball a lot regardless. And I think South Carolina's staff made a decision of we're going to stick with the run. There were several, you said negative plays, man. I mean, first quarter alone, or maybe it was first half, I had like three or four, Negative four runs for Marshawn Lloyd, (laughs) jotted down, just looking over the the play chart. But, you you know, and you're going to have those probably against Kentucky. They play very aggressively. Um, They had some good calls on at times. They penetrated in the backfield sometimes. But they stuck with it. And what we saw was a combination of explosive runs from Marshawn Lloyd, a lot of yards after contact. And we saw him, like you said, add that element of running between the tackles and being able to grind out a few yards here and there. So I thought he had probably the best game we've seen from him top to bottom. He, he showed off again, he, he can be an asset in the receiving game. And so that's, I think the focus has narrowed a little bit for South Carolina's offense. We kind of, everybody talks about identity. I think we have a little bit more of that. Now we certainly know who has done the best with their touches. Right. And, and what kind of the roles are. And so, look, man, this is, this was a good Kentucky defense. You know, I, I mean, the game plan and style for Kentucky, did they call things differently because Will Levis wasn't in the game? Probably. And did, did that affect your ability to play complementary football for them? Probably. But defensively, they're still quite good. They got J.J. Weaver back for the game, who's their best pass rusher. Yeah. They're missing Jaquez Jones, but, what did we hear from Nick Roush at KSR last week? Jaques Jones' backup is a really good player against the run. And so the fact that South Carolina was able to find some things, they executed simple well, and then they executed things like the reverse call, which was, a, I thought, a really gutsy call and a well-executed call. So all around, I mean, really good performance from Marshawn Lloyd, and I think continues to show why he was so highly regarded, why he needs the ball a lot in this offense.
0: Yeah, I thought they blocked on the perimeter very well, man. You look at the uh, the house call for Juice Wells on the sort of quick uh, receiver screen out there. Uh, of course, the reverse, you got a bunch of guys out there just blocking their tails off. Um, you know, the Marshawn Lloyd runs, uh, you know, he had the 45-yarder where he bounced off a tackle. That, that was a very, it was a weird play in that you had great penetration by one Kentucky player, but once Marshawn made him miss, You know, sometimes you got multiple guys back there. The fourth and two, Kentucky had like four or five guys in the backfield, and they just blew that play up completely. That play, uh, it was a perfect example of kind of you normally want all 11 guys uh, doing their job, and it was like 10 guys were doing their job correctly. Uh, But one guy, you know, shoots through, but once Marshawn made him miss, everything else was completely open. And then uh, you have great blocking down the field. Marshawn himself, without the football, has improved a ton as a football player. Man, like he—he he had a guy on skates at, at one point in one of those long plays uh, down the field blocking. Um, Dylan Wanham had a great downfield block. Um, Antoine Wells had a um, an interesting downfield block that got sort of uh, talked about quite a bit on the broadcast as far as whether or not it was—I uh, would say—within the rules. Uh, the new rules that. They're trying to cut down on um, – I, I I'll say it like this, Chris. It didn't get called, so it wasn't a penalty. But I bet in film on Sunday, they said Antoine or, or Juice, they said uh, great effort, great physicality, good job getting a downfield block. However, next time, <laughs> let's do that a little bit differently. Um, I imagine it, it's how it went because yep. by the by the letter of the law, um, that could have been called. But, uh, man, so so the things I circled, and we talked about this on 107.5, was obviously Marshawn Lloyd. I thought David Spalding was fantastic um, getting inserted back into the lineup. Um, you know, I, I thought, as you already said, defensive line as a whole, particularly getting after the passer, in, you know, in the passing game, fantastic and they they had a lot of guys to the ball it wasn't just it wasn't just like one guy breaks through and that maybe gives the quarterback an opportunity to get away at times you had two three guys in the backfield that um you know so they were able to clean up some of these plays and create sacks as opposed to just pressure um obviously you talked about juice wells Jalen brooks uh, really good half of the season so far that continued into this game and uh, Pete Limbo's special teams, man, I, I thought, you know, they, they didn't capitalize on the block punt. Um, again, to your point, that game that game is borderline over if South Carolina goes up 14 to nothing off the bat. Um, and I really, really would have liked to have seen what would have happened if South Carolina would have just said, look, we are going to try to send a message by running the ball directly down your throat. <laughs> um to go up 14 cuz cuz I feel like that's that's not only you're up 14 but it would have been a message in how you did it as yep. well uh which is what I would have liked to have seen just to see you know maybe it gets blown up like the 4th and 2 who knows yeah. but would have been interesting to find out um but uh man let, let's talk about the special teams even though the block punt didn't result in points uh, just overall South Carolina special teams were a big difference, I feel like, in who won this game.
1: Well, I got to properly credit you because I, I didn't even think about it this way, but they they won every single special teams category, right? I mean, made their field goal. Under, underrated storyline that South Carolina, maybe you don't expect it to be this way the remainder of the season, but Mitch Jeter has been extremely solid. That was a big concern coming in with losing Parker White. Uh, Josh Van, uh, I merged Van and punt. Josh Van had a nice punt return. Kentucky didn't do much with Barry and Brown, who Pete Limbo was very concerned about, or very cognizant of. I don't know if he's concerned is the right word. Very cognizant of and talked about a lot heading into the game. He's very speedy. He can really hurt you in the return game. They bottled him up. Um, you had the block punt. Kentucky missed their field goal. South Carolina recovered the onside kick, like you mentioned early in the show. So, really, from top to bottom, they they did everything well in this game. And, man, here's something I was just thinking about just halfway through the season. It is – it's really crazy, almost unbelievable that South Carolina can be that good on special teams, that dangerous. Because opposing teams have to know, not not only – South Carolina going to be really solid, right? Like they're very good in coverage. They're not extremely explosive in the return game, but they can pop some returns. But the the biggest thing you have to worry about is them faking something on you. One of the little, you know, two-point type plays that they run um, or blocking a punt. You have to be very concerned about those. And you know they're going to try. And yet they're able to have success at this high of a clip. The fact that they're able to do that—that that Pete Limbo has his guys that well coached up—is really impressive. Chris, I wonder how much, how how much of the
0: fact that they've blocked so many punts, um, like you're not just scheming those guys open, uh, for lack of a better word, every time. You know, like you to block a punt, you almost need an error from your opponent. But, at the same time, it is not a coincidence if you've blocked five in six games but i also I almost wonder like on that on that block punt, how much of this is a mental thing becoming a physical thing, in that the guys now know that um they can block a punt like they've seen their teammates block a punt like Carolina went after that punter on the one they got, like, their life depended on it. Like, it, was, yep. it wasn't just the, like, oh, let me rush in here and throw my hands up. We've all kind of seen guys go after a punt uh, just through, you know, football watching in general. Guys go after a punt, but it's kind of just, you know, I'm going to throw my hands up. It's not really, like, a all-out effort thing. I dare say, uh, and by the way, uh, shout out to King Ford. I dare say if he doesn't get there, somebody else might have. Like, Carolina just swarms the punter. And they have had, you know, a running into the punter here or there. But I almost feel like they're not real worried about that. They're like, we're just, we are going after this thing. And, um, you know, I I think there's a lot of buy-in. Beamer mentioned Zach Pickens on the – pat block team he he came within about yep. a couple of inches of blocking a pat attempt from Kentucky so um but I, I gotta say man we we all talk about the fun stuff the blocks the fakes um the little pat gadgets they have uh, where they go for two but Pete limbo had some very pointed comments on Wednesday talking to the media where he said, look, you know, I want to see my guys give all-out effort, paraphrasing here, and I want to see better technique. Um, I'm sure, you know, Pete Limbo's a perfectionist. Like, if we were sitting there and film, I'm sure there was things he could have pointed out. But he had to go to bed on Saturday night feeling pretty good about just the totality of what his units did. And, man, I feel like just making your field goal versus missing your field goal in a game like this just completely changed the flow of it because Mm -hmm. you're talking to the difference in what Kentucky potentially going into the half leading. And then the Carolina field goal made it a two-score game. Once it got put into a position where Kaya Sharon was going to have to chase points, where Kentucky was going to have to be a little more throw oriented like the it got later and later that completely changed the because you knew you were sitting there if kentucky has to throw the ball and carolina knows they have to throw the ball kentucky has no chance because mm-hmm. carolina's front uh sort of smelled blood in the water there so I, I think that that six point it's just a six point swing modern football tells us that's not really a huge deal in this game Six-point swing felt like a 14-point swing to me.
1: I did. And, and you know, when you've got two teams that are fairly evenly matched, it's critical. And so when you can win – a, a phase, for South Carolina, special teams is a true third phase of the game. And I know I say this a lot, but a lot of coaches just say, oh, it's a third of the game. We spend a bunch of time on it. They really don't. You know, uh, a lot of teams don't have – Kentucky, I think Wes has somebody called a co-special teams coordinator who's a position coach but I didn't see another guy that has a co. So I guess he's co with like everybody else. I don't know how that works. But South Carolina, if you're not good there, if you don't emphasize it, they will expose you. Pete Limbo will expose you. We've seen enough to know that. Um, And so when you can win every single phase within that one phase, all the little sub phases, I guess, of special teams, it's going to show up, especially, you know, in a game like this. And so I I think the South Carolina special teams – it's kind of the perfect merger of a few different things. One, the players know what to do. They understand it. Two, they're able to go out there and play fast while they're doing it. And three, they give maximum effort while they're doing it. And so, like Carolina, from what I'm recalling, I think earlier in the game, they sent a punt pressure. And I think about three guys – got kind of near the punter, and I don't know if it was the very next one, but at some point, I think it was the very next one, they send some guys and they probably made some type of adjustment based on what they saw from Kentucky, and now it's four guys at the ball, and two of them got through. But you can see even in that, everybody does their job. The two players in the middle took on the two protectors. The other two guys are running to the football, and they're running with max effort, but they're tight. They they are exactly where they're supposed to be. They're going around the shield at an angle right towards the punter. And he just the punter just basically drop it, drops it in King Ford's lap there. I mean, he's just he's right over the ball. He doesn't even have to dive. He's he's just there. So um it's 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 really something to see. And I think, man, I mean to we can stay on special teams if you want, but offensively and defensively, I thought South Carolina executed simple better in this game too than we've seen, but also made some big plays, some of the more difficult plays also they were able to make in this game. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll close out
0: special teams. But I, I think, man, when you're that good across all the special teams units, and that's the weird thing about special teams. Really, it gets grouped into one thing, but it's so many different units. You know, you have your, your punt return. Even within that, you have, you know, are you punt return? or you a punt block? Are you punt safe? um but you have your punt return, your punt team, you have your kickoff coverage, your kickoff team, your field goal team, your field goal block. So you have all these different phases that are within that one phase of the game. If you're pretty good on multiple phases, on most of your phases you're like in this case for Carolina really good. That's a lot of that is coaching and a lot of that is uh you know to give Beamer credit, not just not just creating lip service to special teams, but actually backing it up. Um, you know, somebody brought this up to me the other day that was like around the program and, and at practice at times and just said, look, they they spend a heck of a lot of time of their allotted practice time on true special teams work. Um and I think, man, it obviously shows they were great in the special teams last year, great this year. Um five kickoffs by the way for Mitch Jeter and um five touchbacks. So, Barry and Brown, no opportunities in the kickoff return game. He had one punt return for 11 yards. Um, Carolina had a punt return for 18 yards. So, even in that case, uh, they won that yardage swing, um, you know, by uh, by seven yards, if you want to count it like that. So, I, uh, I don't know, man. It's just really fun, really impressive to watch. Um, and even just the the stuff that's generally an afterthought to the fans and media having your field goal operation be perfect or, or be at least solid. I mean, we've seen Kentucky struggle with that. And it was an, it was a factor on that missed field goal for them uh, on Saturday as well. So uh, kudos to everybody involved in the special teams and the guys that don't get to start, you know, don't get to play on offense or defense, but still go out there and give everything they have on special teams. Um, Pretty special stuff, man. Um, let's see. Defensively, we talked about the defensive line. Um, Sherry Green got a, a a game ball at linebacker from South Carolina. Um, let's see. D- dude, how about – so David Spalding, <laughs> um, Nick Emanwari, DQ Smith, they played the, the straight-up entire game on defense. Um, you know, how, how about – speaking of identity, we talk about identity maybe too much. But, Chris, I I sort of speculated before the game, well, are we going to see some 4-3? Are we going to see some 3-4 slash 5-2, however you want to call it from a semantic standpoint? Are we going to see Tonka Hemingway at defensive end slash edge, whatever you want to call it? No to all of the above.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Like
0: When they're married to their 4-2-5, when they are all in on their four two five, when they are committed to their four two five, I mean it is 100 percent committed to it. I don't know, man, rewatching the game. I'm sure there were maybe a couple of goal line spots, I guess, but they were in the four two five like mm-hmm. now they had they had guys up near the line of scrimmage. they had basically basically when Kentucky was in their two tight end sets your nickelback, and then one of your safeties is up in the box to make it an eight-man front. And even the deep safety didn't seem like he was maybe as deep as normal at times. But personnel, Chris, Clayton White put all the faith in the world in his guys and said, we might get gashed a few times. They're going to get their yardage in the run but we're going to keep our athleticism on the field as opposed to going jumbo and getting some bigger guys out there.
1: And narrowed the rotation, really, among everyone. I mean, Stone Blanton played a bit. Debo Williams, I think, played five snaps. But it was mostly Sherrod Green, who, who I thought played quite well, and uh, Brad Johnson. Up front, Gilbert Edmond played a ton. And then Pickens, Hemingway. I mean, they rotated a little bit at D-tackle, but the guys played a lot. Um, you mentioned – I mean, look, we talk about Kentucky injuries. I mean, South Carolina still didn't have R.J. Roderick and Devontae Reed, who both opened the season as starters. So you've got Nicky Manwari, and as good as he's been, especially against the run, he's a true freshman. Mm-hmm. So he's playing his second SEC road game ever. Um He's out there. D.Q. Smith plays every snap at nickel, a guy who started his career as a safety after not playing DB since the eighth grade. He's out there as your nickel. Um, and Spalding, who has played – who played a lot last season for South Carolina, but he's playing safety, what, for the first time in his Cut career and making a difference. So, um, And I thought Cam Smith and Darius Rush had the huge, huge play, first play of the game that I've rewatched a bunch of times. Can't get over how good of a play that was. And Cam Smith, I mean, I didn't hear a lot about Cam during the game, but that shows you how well he played. I mean, Cam and Darius Rush I thought were really good um, at, at corner as well. So, um, yeah, they they put things together quite nicely on defense. Did they give up some yards? Yeah, but mostly between the 20s, Wes. I mean, the late touchdown from Kentucky ended up being inconsequential, and I thought they played, played really well. They dominated this game up front on the line of scrimmage on defense.
0: Yeah, I, I thought this was going to be a game, y'all, where maybe the depth that linebacker gets tested, the depth on the front gets tested. Like, I thought they were maybe going to have to feel, feel like they needed to rotate a lot. Um, some of that was Kentucky didn't have a ton of plays. So, I, I think maybe Carolina just felt like, hey, our guys are getting rested. So, keep keep the front line guys out there. It seemed like Ben Martin-Scott played a little bit more down the stretch uh, late in the game. Once, uh, felt like maybe once Kentucky kind of had to throw the ball. Um, I don't know if that was just that it was later in the game or more of a matchup thing. They had, uh, Bam Martin Scott in there in the fourth quarter, which was interesting. But man, they had, they had the one of the safeties up near the line of scrimmage so often that, um, I, I didn't realize Spalding was playing safety. Um, I, I actually, to be completely honest, watching the game live, um, it took a while. Like, I I thought that – I thought they had slid DQ back to safety and were playing Spalding at nickel because they had them both, like, parked up near the line of scrimmage. And they, they were – it was kind of like we're just going to – we're going to stick to our personnel, but we're going to play just all types of guys up near the line. And, um, you know, I, I think you could – I. I did make the case. I would say you could make – I did make the case. Maybe they need to go a bit bigger um, personnel-wise in this game. But I, I think what they were maybe thinking was, look, all of our guys are comfortable in this 4-2-5, comfortable with what we do. And, you know, there could be some downside. You're, you're playing a quarterback who's in his first year – or first start, I should say. And, you know, if you go too far into the, all right, stop the run, let's go super heavy, you maybe in turn just make things easy on him as opposed to keeping your athleticism and your base package on the field. And Kentucky did run some three receiver sets. It wasn't like they were just in, uh, you know, the eye or in two tight ends the, the whole way. But I, Chris, I just thought that was a very interesting game plan decision. Um, and it surprised me a little bit, to be honest. I, yeah. I thought at the very least we were going to see Tonka at the edge, but we, uh, they did that against Georgia. Since then, it's really been Tonka inside. And I, he had a great game, man. Like, maybe, probably his best game, I think, just thinking back on it, uh, probably his best game as a Gamecock. But I wonder also, does that just speak to their continued growing confidence in the job Gilbert Edmond is doing at the edge spot?
1: I think, um, Would it be a stretch to say that every starting defensive lineman had his best game? (laughs) You know, I mean, I don't know. Zach Pickens has had a pretty lengthy career. We'd have to go back and think, but Zach Pickens, I, I went back and looked at the PFF grades, and this is a great resource. I I was a little, I was not on the PFF grades as much this time. Zach Pickens, I mean, I don't remember what his grade was. It was not high enough. He caused issues. I mean, he was constantly in the backfield, whether it was getting penetration on the run, forcing something to another lane, you know, splitting guys, uh, getting in the backfield and pass rush. He was excellent. Jordan Birch was very disruptive. Gilbert Edmond played the most snaps he's ever played, and I thought he did some really good things, finished some plays. And Tonka, I mean, his recovers the opening fumble, had a sack. I mean, he he played really well. So it, it was it – was, I expected South Carolina's defensive line to be able to have some success if they got in some passing situations uh, against Kentucky just because of Kentucky's offensive line has been porous. I didn't expect that dominance dominant of a performance, though, and they certainly put it on. So, yeah, man, I, I think, you know, it might have been with the 4-2-5, you know, they're still not where they would like to be depth-wise, right? Like when we saw some of the five-man against Arkansas – that was when they still had Jordan Strong, right? Boogie Huntley was healthy. Boogie missed this game. Tonka settled in inside. You still don't have Jordan Strong. So it might have been, hey, this, this is our best chance. And I still think, you know, maybe some fans disagree with me. Maybe some Kentucky fans would come in here and yell about this. A lot of the stuff that Kentucky did, even in the passing game for Kaya Sher and in concept was still pretty similar to what we've seen Will Levis run. And and I thought that even with Sharon in the game, as inexperienced as he is, I thought that even if Will Levis was in the game, he would have struggled with some of the pressure that South Carolina was able to bring. It was pretty overwhelming at times.
0: Well, and man, the the whole reason you don't have Will Levis is because he's been getting hit all year long. So, you know, let, let's not let's not pretend the injury happens in a vacuum. Like I know injuries there is a certain amount of luck that goes into an injury. Don't get me wrong. But when your guy is getting hit all year long, 19 sacks coming into the game, um, there are consequences to that. And in this case, um, it came in the form of injuries to your starting quarterback. So I, uh, it, it is weird. I, I understand the guy's a projected first-round pick. It is a little bit weird to me how much the quarterback aspect of this has been talked about when you consider – Carolina played four freaking quarterbacks last year and never had their QB one um, at full health for the entire season. So um, n- nobody should feel sorry about – nobody should feel guilty about winning the game with Kentucky not having their quarterback. For one. For, for another thing, why – if you want to talk about Kentucky, why had Kaya Sharon not got to throw a pass halfway yeah. through the season? Whose fault is that? It's your own coaches for not getting the backup ready. And it's your own fault for not beating teams enough to where you can put your backup in. So it who, literally, whose fault is that that you don't have a backup and don't Amen. have a guy? You couldn't get him reps. And, I mean, this was this was the sixth game of the season. You couldn't get him a little bit of time on the field? Like, are you serious right now?
1: They were up. They beat Youngstown State thirty-one nothing. No place in that game. Yeah, I, I mean it's a great point. I've thought about it too. If you're that established as a program, why do you not have a backup quarterback that's never thrown a pass? See, I mean you know, I, I mean it's, I mean we see. I mean it's been talked about at Oklahoma this year, right? They lost Dylan Gabriel, and they're, now their backup has thrown a pass, but I think it was like he didn't win the backup job at Pitt or something like that. You know, if you're that established, look at what South Carolina had to do last year. Luke Doty is not a projected first round pick or whatever, but he was not healthy in the Kentucky game. Okay. Then uh, they had to get creative. They pulled a grad assistant who has thrown a pass in college, many passes out of coaching to play for them. They love you, Zeb. (laughs) They got a transfer ready in Jason Brown. They started to carry on Joiner in the bowl game. Figure it out, you know, that you have, you have other options. And if you don't have other options, you should have options. Um, and Mark Stoops even said it after the game, man. To, I have a lot of thoughts on what Stoops did or did not say leading up to and after the game. But even said, nobody's going to feel sorry for us. And he's exactly right. Every team that played South Carolina last year and beat them their coaches didn't get up there and and, and their fans didn't go say, oh, oh, well, South Carolina, poor South Carolina. They didn't – they've been beat up and stuff. You know, we probably shouldn't. No, they beat South Carolina and they reveled in it. And that's exactly what the Gamecocks should do here. If you're that established, you should have a better quarterback situation or be able to get them ready. And you should be able to have enough guys around your quarterback. The strength is your running game and your defense anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Those didn't play as well on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and here's the thing, man. Not that you can just create a quarterback out of thin air. Like, I get I get it sometimes. Sometimes you go into a season, even if you're established, sometimes you go into a season and you say, hey, this position is thin. But that doesn't stop you from getting the guy reps. Um, I mean, you mentioned it. Craig mentioned it as well. The game against Youngstown, Youngstown State, which I cannot say that word all of a sudden. How how do you not get the guy in in the fourth quarter and get him a few throws? Like, I, I don't understand. That's completely on you as a coaching staff for not having him ready. So, I mean, we – and I'm not talking to, like, the people listening or the people in the chat, but certain people have a way of just trying to explain away South Carolina's success as opposed to just accepting it when you do something right and something goes right. Uh, people are still explaining away – well, you know, oh, it was a bowl win. It was in a bowl game, or oh, Florida, Florida was in a bad spot last year. They had started to give up on the season. Who cares? Like you don't. For other, for other, when other yep. teams get wins, we don't provide all this context. Well, all oh, that win doesn't count because of this and that and this and that. No, you you play who you got, and you either win or you lose, and that's what goes on your record so yeah carolina won the game they're four and two um they're probably you know it's it is weird chris i was about to say they're right where we thought they would be then i was about to say they're a little ahead of where we it's it's weird how one game can like change your perspective on where a season is um but we see this every year man halfway point like every season's a roller coaster like Carolina's going to have some moments against teams people don't expect them to beat, even in the final six games. And they're going to have some moments where they look really bad against teams we think they should should beat. You know, like that's the way mm-hmm. sports are. That's the way football is. So, but ultimately, you are what happens on the field. You are your record. So they're yep. four and two. They've had some good moments. They've had some not good moments, but enjoy the Enjoy the four and Kentucky fans. Sorry, you lost. It is what it is. The game is over. You can't change it.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're going to bottom line as a South Carolina fan, and and there's nothing wrong with this. Rightfully so. All the games. How many games has there been over the past I don't know four or five years, Wes? Where several key guys are injured. You don't go through it. And put an asterisk by each of them. No, you, you say we lost, and I'm mad. So when you're happy, when you know when when you win, you're happy. You should be right. Now, I don't know what direction you want to go in, Wes, but I mentioned where you want to go. Mark Stoops' direction, since we're a little fired up and having some fun here. Mark Stoops in his post game press conference almost went out of his way to not credit South Carolina whatsoever. And then in, in the he does Shane Beamer does his his uh like game week presser leading up to the game on Tuesdays. Stoops does his on Monday. So he talks about the previous game, goes some big picture, talks about the next game. Most of Stoops' Monday press conference uh last week, recapped the old miss game for good reason. A few big picture items, talked about South Carolina a little bit. And he said he didn't mention Shane Beamer at all. Uh, he said, I think he said, very good South Carolina team, much improved. He said some nice things about Rattler and Marshawn Lloyd pretty pretty briefly. But in the postgame, Wes, he, he didn't say anything really about, about Shane Beamer or South Carolina. And I, I found that odd. Um, we know that's the spice leading up to the game, but it was mainly about what Kentucky did. And I contrasted it, Wes, with the previous week. After the Ole Miss game, Stoops talked actually quite a lot about what Ole Miss was doing, what they did on defense that caused them issues, what they did on offense that caused them some issues. After this game, Stoops mentioned Marshawn Lloyd and he mentioned the reverse play that South Carolina got him on. He said they couldn't even, didn't even say South Carolina or Shane Beamer, said nothing about Beamer. What do we think of that?
0: I want to know what you think of that, because I know you have a, have a take. I, okay. uh, I mean, well, obviously, Chris, there was no spice before, actually, because according to Mark Stoops, that comment was not about Shane Beamer.
1: Clearly. Dude, <laughs> how – I mean, come on. I, I went back today, because I, when I was formulating this in, in my mind, I wanted to try to be fair, you know. And so thinking through that, I went back and saw the original comment, the original video, what Stoops said after, what Shane Beamer said after. And Stoops tried to say that he was talking about himself. And he mentioned how he put on a hard hat and wore a blue collar shirt to meetings and stuff early in his tenure. And he did. I remember all that stuff, but don't say you're talking about yourself. You mentioned dancing and sunglasses. Now, maybe we unearthed some video or something of Mark Stoops dancing early in his tenure and putting on sunglasses. We're not stupid. You were talking about Shane Beamer. You were. And if you weren't, if you were talking about yourself, then you were saying you did an awful job because you were trying to draw a line between the climate and the culture thing. Now, my theory is, I think Mark Stoops and Shane Beamer are really different. We know this. That's fine. Mark Stoops is more of an old school guy. The whole blue, he's going to talk about being blue collar and blah blah blah, and that's fine. It's obviously worked very well. I've been very, dude. I feel like I've been almost over the top in talking about the job I think Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky. It's been excellent. Shane Beamer has been almost over the top in talking about how good, but really. Mark Stoops can't say anything positive about the job Shane Beamer's done. And I don't. I, I think he doesn't really have a lot of respect for Beamer or the program. I really do. And maybe the differences in the personalities and the way that they approach things, new school versus old school, kind of precludes him from, I don't really like the way Shane does things. Maybe. Maybe I'm reading too much into it but I I thought that was pretty telling. I I think he's probably upset about the game in the past couple weeks. He probably doesn't like that Beamer has clapped back at him. Um, But I I found it telling and I found it odd because he can credit Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, but in this game, just because they're missing their quarterback or I don't know, I I found it very odd. Yeah. And, uh,
0: the The fact is, the the video of him didn't really, like, get publicity until, or maybe even get posted. I don't remember exactly. It didn't start rolling around until a little bit later on. But the fact that he said that in an interview, and it was with Marty and McGee, so they were probably, he was probably feeling pretty comfortable. It wasn't in front of the big crowd of of reporters out there, you know? you're a little more comfortable in those situations. And I, I think the very day that South Carolina puts out the video of Shane Beamer, like this is all happening at SEC media days. It's happening all at the same time. You're going to just magically talk about dancing and stupid glasses and stuff. Like we're not, we're like you said, we're not stupid. And I mean, at that point, he probably should have just owned it. But you had to know. Like you had South Carolina couldn't. If you win this game, you have to, you have to clap back at this point. I mean, yeah, you asked for it at this point. Um, by the way, um, may maybe maybe Stoops just needs to call Liberty Tax and uh, overcome his tax 462 Eight zero three four six two five five seven six. The deadline is coming up. If you filed an extension for your taxes this past year. Uh, you need to get those uh, knocked out soon, like this week. So call 803-462-5576. You can overcome your taxiety as well with the tax team at Liberty Tax. They've got locations right here in the Columbia area, um, in actual Columbia, in Irmo, and in Lexington. Again, 803-462-5576. Give our friends at Liberty Tax a shout. Um, I'm with you, man. They're uh, – look th- these coaches – their press conferences, borderline, especially a guy that's been there for 10 years, it's borderline a script. So mm-hmm. it would be interesting if if you want to go way down this rabbit hole in the bye week to see what his comments were for other coaches on and on and on and on compared to this as well. But um, I, I think ultimately, man, sometimes when there are issues – people just get defensive. And when they're defensive, they act a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And I believe, as we have seen all offseason, the reason why Stoops has been so defensive this offseason is that no matter what Kentucky does on the football field, they are still, without a doubt, a basketball school. And I think that that just hurts. That there's nothing he can do to change that. I I brought this up on uh, the 107.5 show, man, but I was trying to do some research on Kentucky. And I went to Google, which is the best search engine currently that um, the world has to offer. It literally uses artificial intelligence, machine learning, to give you the proper results on what you're looking for. And if you search Kentucky roster, Chris, you will literally get, hopefully y'all can see this. Basketball, 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 basketball. Some stories on basketball, basketball, basketball. What Mm. is Kentucky basketball roster? Uh, Basketball, basketball, basketball. Let's go to page two. Basketball, 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 basketball. And on... And on, Mm -hmm. I'm still literally not seeing a foot, a mention of football. There's a a football mention in the suggested search. The results, however, completely and entirely basketball. So, Chris, I think that's his issue.
1: I, I think I think that is one of them. <laughs> that is clearly one of them. Sure. Um, yeah, that would be uh, that would be funny if you could present your theory to Mark Stoops at a press conference. I don't think he yeah, that's still that. not resolved there, right? Still unresolved between uh, Stoops and John Calipari. Whew! It
0: was a weird I mean, off in Kentucky, man. It was,
1: it was a very weird off season. Yeah, there's there's something to my theory there, there is a reason he did not like what coach doesn't get up there and say, Baba, we did this, you know, how do you not say credit to South Carolina or Shane's done a good job there or what? A, something. How do you not say that? There's a reason for it. There's a reason you chose not to say anything. And a lot of it was by your own doing Kentucky. If you don't think, oh, we didn't have a quarterback, your fault. You mad about the backlash from some dumb comments you made? You made them. You got to own them now. You can't say stuff. If I say something dumb on this podcast, which happens often, I'm sure, people will definitely let me know about it. And that's fine. That's good. That's that's what it is nowadays.
0: Indeed. By the way, while we were doing the show, Chris, um, Shane Beamer named the Bobby Dodd coach of the year. Good grief It's the longest title I've ever seen. The Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year Foundation and Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl today announced that South Carolina head football coach Shane Beamer has been selected as the Dodd Trophy Coach of the Week presented by PNC. Lots of sponsors to get in. So it
1: just dawned on me as it's 3 o'clock here on a Monday, uh, I guess Stoops will be having his weekly press conference today. Yes. They play next week, right? Yeah, they play Mississippi State, right? We will go see. I I'm curious Wes, what do we think? He'll he will probably congratulate Shane Beamer on on this award that he's received. In the press oh, wait, Mississippi State. Uh-oh. Pretty
0: pretty good.
1: Yeah, would you would you rather play out of the west this year for South Carolina? Would you rather play A&M than Mississippi State? I say yes.
0: Never thought we'd be saying that, but I I agree, man. State that game was on while we were in the studio, and I thought we were watching highlights of the game, and it was just the actual game, just
1: <laughs> a bunch of scores by Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, wow, Ooh. man. Uh, let's see what else we already mentioned. Seven thirty kickoff, Texas A and M. That's gonna be crazy. And uh, by the way, Tonka Hemingway will be on the Fine Bomb Show at three thirty. No Shane Beamer press conference this week. Um, no Shane Beamer on the, uh, the call show either. I think I saw, uh, um, who are they having, Chris? They're having Luke Day and, uh, and Derek Moore, I think, filling in.
1: So that should be cool. That should be a good, um, God, bring go. your, bring your coffee or energy drink of choice to that one to, to be able to keep up with those guys.
0: Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to walk out of that one motivated though. <laughs> you maybe don't need coffee. Like you're just going to yeah. be, you're going to like, hey, you better fortify your walls there at Backstreets so because you're having people running through the wall after <laughs> listening to them. Yeah. Um Travis uh mentioning uh Ra Thomas looking good against Mississippi State. Hey man, there's a lot of Carolina wide receivers or Carolina wide receiver targets um uh, that are doing really, really well out there. Malik Heath makes plays for Ole Miss. Um yeah. so anyway, that's here nor there. I don't know, man. We're right at the hour mark. Have we have we hit everything? I mean, I know we got this bye week, so if we missed anything, we can.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say we we probably have not hit everything. We pr- probably got more to say on this game, like even zooming into the game itself, or just some big picture items, in uh, the rest of the season, of course. But uh, yeah, well, I think we can hold all that for a different day. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, appreciate y'all joining. Uh,
0: appreciate the big numbers there. It was a little slow getting going, I think, but uh, right now we got a bunch of people on here, so. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate the support as always. Uh, We'll have the Talking Tuesday edition, I think, tomorrow with Mike Yuva. Normal time. And then uh, Chris and I, I don't know, man. We'll probably do one or two later on this week. We'll see. Uh, But awesome. Appreciate y'all. We'll see you then.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom?